Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts wherever you get your podcast, and it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Well, Chris, we've got a lot to get to today. We do. Um, first of all, we have a lot of sports to talk about. The Orioles picked up Craig Kimball from the he did. Phillies. We didn't talk about that, did we? <laughs> yes, that's right. We did not talk about that. He, When he uh, signed with the Orioles, he said he wanted to play for a winner. <laughs> he left out the part about losing two games to get him into the World Series this year for the Phillies. Yeah. So everything I've seen is he'll make the game exciting. So can't wait. <laughs> he will. Wasn't seven hundred yeah. million dollars worth of excitement, but No, that's true. Yeah. You're getting him for what a mere thirteen million or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. And then um, so Ravens are still alive in football. First place in the conference right now. Okay. Some, some other teams are starting to fall apart and things are looking good for us. Okay. So, Gotta hang in there. Yep. Yep. A win is a win, even if it's an overtime on a punt return or whatever. You All guys right. know what game, what bowl game you're uh, the yet? Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions. <laughs> those <laughs> with, guys. Yeah, those guys will be in the Peach Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good old Peach Bowl. You're playing the Old Miss. Okay. Is Maryland in the Under Armour Bowl or something like that? Check out. To be honest, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I'll give that one up after this. He's turned the page. Yeah. College basketball. Nope. Check out on that too. But we did beat Penn State though last night. Yes, <laughs> yes. University of Maryland Terrapins have a better record than Penn State right yeah, now. Yeah, last one the rest of the year. I just don't know how Penn State lost to Maryland and Bucknell uh, lately. Uh, just amazing. And they only they're five and five and only had one away game, and that was at Maryland. This is a happy, joyous time of year. Let's flip <laughs> the scripts around. <laughs> spread Christmas joy. There you go. Leave college basketball out of it. If you're an Arizona fan, you're happy because they're number one right now. Yeah. All right. So, you know, uh, Chris, we've been talking about a bunch of, uh, it's almost like we've been in school talking about CO2 for a while. So we're going to take a break from that and go right to the finish line almost and talk about um, those uh, top 10 startup issues you might run into if you're looking at a CO2 rack and you're ready to flip the switch and let her rip, as they say. These things are really starting to ramp up the stores with the CO2 and back controllers and all that for us. I, I think it's a good time to hit on some things because guys are going to be getting into startups now. Yep. So yeah, this is a uh, good timing for this. Yep. So when you take that call and you realize the guys like first starting the rack or whatever and um, they have those initial questions. These are some of the things that we run into. Yep. And um, so we'll run down the list. Um, we put number one at the beginning of this time around and then uh, see what uh, we can learn from all that. Yep. So number one is um, anybody that's been around the pack controller long enough knows that there's basically a software main switch and there's essentially a hardware main switch. We'll talk about the software first, but um, the first thing that can trip people up, especially if they haven't seen a lot of these pack controllers, is um, when the pack controller is shipped, the main switch in the software is usually turned off. Yep. 
And uh, if that thing's not turned on, then it's basically it's like it's in idle. And, and yeah, if you've experienced a case controller before, that's your point of reference, right? Because it's it's nothing special with the main switch for the pack controller versus a case controller. Same idea. Yep. But yeah, that thing got to flip that on before any of the operation starts to take off for you. Yep. And you can do it from the system manager, or you can be plugged into the pack controller and do it that way. But most people plug into the pack controller just because it's so quick and you can see a lot. Yep. The service tool. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, these days, if you're plugging into a pack controller, typically you're using one of those USB A to B cables, commonly called a printer cable for yeah. people over the age of 35. Yeah, nothing that comes from Dan Foss, something you're going to pick up on your own and carry around in your bag. Right. Yeah. Okay. So number two is that external main switch. If that is uh, not on, then you're going to have problems because it's essentially telling it from a hardware standpoint, don't start yet. Right. But that's how it's intended. So yeah. And either one of these two, one or two, the, the software main switch or the, the hard main switch, I'll call it the phase loss monitor. As long as you've got your alarms turned on in the pack, in the pack controller and the system manager, you'll get an alarm and it's actually going to read out the same way where it just says main switch off. So you'll have to know that that could mean one of two spots that that needs to be turned back on either soft switch in the program, or maybe you do have to look at, especially at startup, is your phase loss monitor wired the right way? Some of them have different polarities on their relays and you have to be on the right side matching out setup. Um, but yeah, the, the hard switch would be coming from a phase loss monitor typically. I suppose it could be any kind of input, but most people use it coming right from the phase loss monitor, right? That's right. Yeah, it's a generic input. So if somebody wanted to piggyback other functions or features mm -hmm. onto it, then they could. Okay. All right. Moving on to number three, it would be um, basically inputs and outputs where the wiring and the program don't match up. So that could be anything from uh, sensors or uh, the wrong sensor type or... Um, a relay polarity or anything like that. And um, specifically, it could be the gas cooler needs a certain type of signal, either 0 to 10 or or 10 to 0, but you have to kind of figure all that out first. Yeah, nothing necessarily CO2 specific here, but we it is something we see and we have to correct or else the rack will just completely not run, depending on exactly what it is. But yeah, it, making sure you're wired to the points that the program's set up the match. Sometimes there's revisions at the factory level between the time the programming's taking place and what's actually built. So it, it, paying attention to that. And then, like you said, on the, uh, especially the uh, adiabatic gas cooler side, you can get into the Gutner fans and the, the BAC fans on those gas coolers. If they're 10 to zero, they've got to be programmed for that, not only at the, the fan motor itself, but also on our pack controller to match that. Otherwise you'll get opposite uh, basically where we think 10 volts is full speed and the motor thinks it's fully off and we're doing the opposite of what we intend. Gotcha. Yep. This is going to uh, kind of dovetail into number four, but I've seen guys go through usually two guys is more effective, but they'll go through all the inputs and outputs before they even try to start the rack and uh, try to get that out of the way. And so they're feeling good about it when it's time to start up. Yep. Yeah, we say we've seen that, and then we've also talked about it in some of the prior podcasts. But you've got the ambient temp sensor, 
that could be behind that wetted pad if we're with an adiabatic gas cooler. And then you also have what we call SGC, which is that temp sensor that goes at the outlet of the gas cooler right there on the pipe. Um, we've seen instances they're not mounted properly. They're just hanging loose and they're not reading the right values, reporting back into the pack controller and the rack's not running at all, depending on what values being reported in. So just goes back to how crucial the, the proper installation of those sensors is. Um, and then on the transducer side as well, we've seen plenty of instances where you've got three wires on the transducer and things are going to happen right at the factory yeah. level, wiring them up. If two of those wires are, are flipped around, now all of a sudden, instead of maybe a four volt signal, you're getting a one volt signal and your pressure reading is completely off of what it should be reporting in. And we're controlling differently than we should be. And, and that's caused issues in the past. So there's that sensor calibration page in the pack controller. If you're connected through service tool, definitely recommend starting there before you even turn the main switch on for the rack to start operation. You can go in there, check what readings are being reported in, get a voltage or a resistance number there to, to compare against and make sure you're seeing values that you expect to see before everything starts running. Right. That's number four. It has to do with sensors not being wired correctly or um, labeled correctly or mounted correctly. And the, the thing is, you'll get a reading if you look at it quickly, but it may not be the right reading once you actually start things up. Yep. All right. Number five has to do with the transducer selections in the pack controller. So we've got um, a lot of transducers that are good up to 59 bar or 855 pounds. And then we have other ones that go up to 159 bar, which is up to 200, sorry, 2,306 pounds. But uh, if they're selected wrong, then it, it's going to cause you problems. And they look pretty darn close to one another, right? other than yeah. just those numbers on the label. So it, yeah. again, happened plenty of times before and probably will happen in the future. And that's why it's a good checkpoint of just low side of the system where you've got the receiver pressure transducer and the low temp, medium temp suction transducers, they should be the 59 bar um, model, the, the 855 PSI. And then the things on the high end of the system, the gas cooler, outlet pressure, your discharge pressure, those things should be the 159. Maybe there's something in, in a spot where the 59 wasn't available, the, the lower range transducer, and you had to use the higher range for a suction transducer. Okay. Yep. That's fine. Just again, make sure the programming matches that. So it's it's a five minute check. You're right there at the rack. Just look at the labels, see what part number, and, and it gives you the pressure range right on the label too. See what numbers are there, and make sure it matches up with what you've got programmed in. Yep. And on the case side, the case controllers default to HFC pressure ranges. So a lot of times those have to be changed to a max reading of uh, 855 pounds. Yep. And it is somewhat similar in the pack controllers too, if I remember correctly. When right after you assign your address for each transducer in the program, it defaults to the 174 psi range transducer that we typically use for HFCs. So, people setting these up, that that's definitely something you would have to change if it's not already done. The program loaded in from the factory. Okay, hey, we're halfway there. All right. Number six is the uh, wrong type of valve selected for either the high pressure valve or the flash gas bypass valve. Yeah. So on this one, we know high pressure valve, we're either talking something like a CCMT stepper valve or maybe that ICMTS, a little bit heavier duty uh, valve that, that takes a zero to 10 volt signal that we 
we've seen used as well from our industrial refrigeration product line. And then on the receiver, the, the flash gas bypass valve, there we, again, it's typically a CCM or CCMT stepper valve, but you have different sizes within each one of those families. And so when that, that program's initially set up, we need to make sure we're choosing the right valve type. If we don't, then we're controlling with the wrong number of steps or maybe the wrong signal altogether. If it's a zero to 10 that we have it set for and it should be a stepper driven signal. Um, so I, again, things get overlooked and, and it's just because of how crucial those two valves are to the overall operation of the system, uh, definitely would not hurt to put your eyes on the label that should be on each one of those valves and see what valve model it specifically is. Is it a CCMT eight or 16 or whatever it might be? And then just go back and look at your program under IO configuration because it is just a valve choice that matches that same model type. You're not putting in individual values there. So it's a quick five minute check and it'll go a long way to trying to track down problems two weeks later if your rack isn't running right, yeah. knowing that you had the right valve set up. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay, number seven would be uh, the communication module um, that we use in the racks could be two different types. It could be the CM101 or the CM102. We know from talking about this before, the CM102 is only used to extend the sort of the range, you might say, of the pack controller to allow more boards to be installed in the same cabinet, uh, but not all in a row. And of course, the CM101 is just our uh, communication module for I.O. boards, but those could get mixed up. Yeah, and from a maybe few feet away, they, they could look similar. Looking at both of them, you get closer and realize there's some different connections. But again, it's it's just something we've seen in the past and something to keep an eye on. That the CM101, it's going to be tied to the system manager. Maybe that is doing a few things that uh, that the rack needs, but but things that aren't going to be handled from the pack controller logic. Whereas the 102, like you said, it's directly tied into the pack controller. And it's going to be tied in with that that Ethernet cable that's where the pack controller is telling the I.O. on the 102 what to do. So legends, electrical drawings, those types of things are showing that the pack controller should be connected to a 102 for your gas cooler fans or whatever it might be. And you see that it's actually a 101 that has the gas cooler fans wired to it and it's wired back to the system manager. Going to be your, your clue that you don't have the right com module in there and you need to look at that a little deeper gotcha makes sense all right number eight there could be manual overrides in the pack controller that were shipped from the factory and um, they might have it in place they shut it down they ship it it gets powered up eventually and then they're still there yep and this can be a residual thing some of these too uh, even going back to some of the earlier points on transducer type those things um, I mean, some of these racks become cookie cutter after a while out of the, the factory and the design. And so maybe somebody's taking a program from one job and loading it into another job and didn't realize they had a few things overridden on when they saved it from the previous site or previous job that they didn't necessarily want. Um, and then also on top of that, you have the factory OEM side where they're usually testing things out to make sure everything's wired properly and working before it leaves their factory. And so they, they may be doing that with some manual overrides to, to validate those things. So in the, the pack controller, uh, you, you have the, the uh, IO status and manual page and also sensor calibration. Um, sensor calibration will be where you're going in to put in your sensor offsets, obviously, but under IO status and manual, 
again, it's a, a 10, 15 second check to go in there, look at your relay page, look at your digital input page, uh, make sure we don't have any relays, any digital inputs in a manual state that, that shouldn't be uh, to allow all that to, to control automatically through the pack controller logic. And then you also do have a, a there's a spot in the pack controllers and it's accessible from the system manager. And this is just coming to mind because I've seen this a few times recently, but you can uh, manually override the capacity of the rack too. So if you wanted the rack to run at 50% capacity, you're not necessarily overriding a specific point to do that, but that is another manual override that we've seen people forget that they had in place. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. That'll keep it from automatically doing what it, you think it would do. Yep. Okay. And then number nine are um, some of the safety set points that are programmed in could get set too low from the start. Yeah. Uh, we, we now under our suction group, sections our high pressure valve our receiver section we have settings on how high we want the pressure to go before we either alarm or start to shut things down like the compressors and then on the low side too we obviously don't want to run into a vacuum on our suction we don't want our receiver pressure to get too low uh, but but again jobs may shift a little bit from one to the next maybe your suction pressures up or down a, a few degrees saturated based on what the, the design of the system is. Maybe we have parallel compressors that are in one design versus a previous, and we're trying to take an old program and, and reuse that. So some of those numbers can can be, yeah, something that, that could prevent the rack from starting up. Maybe we missed a, a digit mm -hmm. and some simple things like that. So yep. if those things are happening, typically I'd expect to see some type of an alarm in the system manager and the back controller that kind of clues you into why things aren't running. But again, it's check your status screens, check your alarm logs, see if you're getting any indicators that maybe point you towards a setting that you need to look at and see if it needs to be adjusted. Okay. And finally, number 10 has to do with pack controller databases that are created offline. Yeah. This is, uh, you get set up a little bit here because mm -hmm. uh, when you look at service tool, we, we've always kind of talked about it as a, a physical live tool where you're connecting into the pack controller, you're seeing exactly what's going on on a, a physical device as you're charging the rack or troubleshooting or starting up, whatever it might be. Service tool does actually offer a, a, an ability to pull up a saved database offline. You can look at it, you can in theory make changes to it. Part of the problem that gets introduced with doing this though is say I was at store X and I saved my database and I said, okay, I'm going to store Y next week. And I know I've only got like half a dozen things that need to be changed okay. from that. I don't want to have to start my programming back over from square one. I'm going to save myself some time, yep. take the program from store X and make those couple adjustments and I'm good to go for store Y. Okay. Um, doesn't typically work out for you. Oh. All right. uh, you, you'll have every impression that it was fine. The, the changes will take, the new settings will be in there, the program will load. Experience in the past, though, is, is, and probably seen it most with the receiver bypass valve and the high pressure valve. If we're changing that to a different type, um, we see either erratic control or just flat out no control of those, those two points or those two valves. I guess there's a chance it could affect other parts of the program too, which just haven't come across, but just based off of seeing it there, we don't recommend or don't want to see 
taking a program, making changes, and then offline, and then loading it in somewhere else. If it's just a apples for apples thing where you're saving the database from one and loading it into the other, that's fine. But otherwise, if you were in that situation that I was just describing, it would be more a matter of save the program from store X, load it into store Y as is, and then make your changes live, okay. and then you would be okay. So you're making them right in the controller versus trying to update a file. Yep, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that's uh, one through 10 on the startup issues that we've encountered and things to look out for. Let's uh, move on to Chris's favorite part of the show. And that is Stump Chris, where I throw a somewhat ridiculous question at Chris to see what he knows and see if we can stump him. And of course, I don't share the question or the answer with him ahead of time. I think everyone knows that at this point. <laughs> Especially you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, today's is borderline on the ridiculous, uh, as usual. But um, thinking about the pack controller, the 782A, um, how many, uh, well, let me say this. It's a two-part question. You're getting cold for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. <laughs> Back up the truck. Here it comes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a two-part question. If you get the first one right by some odd chance, then you can answer the second part. Okay. So in the in the 782A, a pack controller how many languages are available i'll go with a dozen you know you're really close yeah it's actually 13. baker's dozen i was close <laughs> <laughs> baker's dozen that's right if you could name them all i'd be really impressed no no no, no. was that the second part <laughs> that was the second no, part no, no. yeah 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 if you need the czech language it's in there yeah along with danish english german dutch now that, Spanish, that, all that. That's good to, to mention that. That is a setting that would probably be just tied to the service tool software, not mm. each back controller. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the units of measure, right? Yeah. So if you're seeing metric units, every pack controller you, you connect mm -hmm. into, that, that's not the pack controller. That's actually a setting mm -hmm. in service tool and the way it it uh, displays that. So if yeah. yeah, somebody wants to play a cruel joke on you and <laughs> change your language to Chinese or something, then... Chinese is an option. No, don't replace the pack controller. That's not the problem. That's, that's right. Yeah, you won't get your warranty return yeah. quite the way you wanted it. All right. Hey, listener mail. Uh, so we did get uh, some mail from, uh, of all people, Rebecca, Rebecca Q specifically. Somebody took the time to write, write us a letter this time of year. Yeah, yeah. Well, email. Close enough. Um, she uh, had a very general question for us. She wanted to know how many of our listeners are female. I thought, hmm. we have three listeners. We heard from one of them, so it must be one-third, right? At least. Yeah. Well, we're going to go with 33% uh, for the answer. But, uh, you know, Chris, it's kind of a, a festive time of year, and we're in the giving mood. So in, in order to encourage some real questions, uh, I think we should do a giveaway. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Retail value twenty nine ninety five. Uh, that could be kroner, could be American dollars, Canadian dollars, who knows. But um, I think the first real question, legit question we get after this episode airs, um, the first real one we get to Controller Talk North America at danfoss.com, I think we're going to send them a care package. I like it. Yeah. We know guys. I mean, we get feedback all the time that guys are listening, right? So Yeah, that's right. All three of them. Yeah, guys and ladies <laughs> are listening. People. Yes, people, people in general. Yeah, so yeah, the first uh, legit question we get, we'll ship them out a uh, Controller Talk sort of gift set, if you will. 
$29.95 value. Please include your shipping address and, uh, and a legit question, and we'll get that shipped out. I might have to go come up with a question real quick after this is over. <laughs> Good luck hiding your identity. Chris Brown. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I think that uh, takes us to the end of our festive uh, podcast here. Nice hat, by the way. This little ball hit me in the head like three or four times. And, <laughs> yeah, it distracts you for a split second. This is all about focus. Yeah. You have to stay focused on pack controllers here. All right. Well, as we said, if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for uh, topics to cover, a question, or a comment about this crazy festive show we put together, you can always email us at ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. Thanks for listening. Our audio engineer is still Raul Garcia. Maria and the new guy, Josh, are behind the scenes making it happen once again. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.